Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today I'm joined by Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock for the first hour or so with us as we have a full three-hour show on this Friday, but we do have some Smith Station area play basketball coming up on FM Talk 93.9, so we'll have to say goodbye to T.P. a little bit into the show as he's got to work that, but of course, uh, big opportunity for the Smith Station girls tonight as they play Central Phoenix City at 5 o'clock on FM Talk 93.9. If they win that, they advance to the substate. So that's what's going on on our family of stations. But Brooks and I will be with you for the full three hours on this Friday as we have several different things to discuss. In just a moment, we'll start off with the big news with Auburn football and Jordan-Hare Stadium. That will be coming up in just a moment. We'll talk a little bit about a couple college baseball items, one having to do with the Southeastern Conference, the other kind of in a roundabout way having to do with at least a team in the SEC or a coach formerly in the SEC. Uh, So we'll hit on that a little bit. We'll preview Auburn basketball as they get set for an important quad one opportunity at Ole Miss and Oxford. And we'll also preview the entire slate of SEC basketball coming up this weekend. We'll also reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. And if we have time, we'll get into a couple other items, such as the final NFL head coaching hire that was made yesterday, so now no NFL head coaching vacancy. So if we have time, we'll get to that as well. Of course, we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Ryan Brooks and TP with you here on this beautiful Friday afternoon. We'll start with you, TP. Good to have you on the show, if only for a little while. How are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, back-to-back Fridays I've been on the show, so I'm, I'm always for that. Looking forward to the weekend. Uh, got a lot of things going on. Uh, you know, we got uh, Auburn making the trip out, out to Ole Miss. I saw they opened up as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, according to Vegas, so I think that's around where I'd put it at. And, um, you know, Pro Bowl's on. Uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am's on, uh, a lot of good things on as the football season is nearing its, you know, final act, uh, you know, next week with the Super Bowl, uh, you know, it's going to feel a little weird, and then uh, once it's gone, then you have to wait, depending on who you are, at least for me, wait a month and a half, and you get uh, you get the UFL, which is spring football, but I'm, I'm a fan of any football is good football. So, um, but overall, excited for today's show, Ryan, and uh, looking forward to getting to talk to uh, all of our callers today. And yesterday we had a shortened edition of the show, and Brooks Childress was out there at Borgard High School as the Hornets picked up a couple of wins in their regular season finale. Brooks, good to have you on the show for the full three hours today. How are you this afternoon? I am doing great. 
<clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it was a big night last night for the Hornets uh, out there in Beauregard, getting a season finale wins over Wadley. Girls and boys both getting some big wins, sending the uh, the seniors out for the regular season uh, with, with on a high note. Uh, the girls will have one more game, at least one more game uh, at home coming up on uh, Saturday with their area tournament. The boys uh, have to do some work to get into their home game in the playoffs, but uh, hopefully they're able to do that and uh, continue to uh, have some uh, Beauregard basketball going uh, a couple more weeks here as we enter the state uh, playoffs. But it was, uh, it was a fun night uh, being out there with uh, Tim Sin, Seth Fuller, uh, all the all the Beauregard fans uh, always always great to get out there and talk to. We had um if you missed it uh, we had uh, a stop by from obviously uh, the both uh, basketball coaches, but we also had Coach Justin Jones, the football coach, stop by for a couple minutes to talk a little bit. Um, and I know we're always talking about Auburn football recruiting. They've had uh, if you've nev- not paid attention, uh, go on social media and check out Beauregard football. They are posting few times a week they're getting visitors down there to, to Beauregard. So there there's a lot of a uh, lot of college football interest in, in Beauregard football right now. So uh, I'd start start paying attention to the football team when they when they come back around next year if you haven't already, which you should have since you listen to us uh, <laughs> on, on Tiger Nine five point nine. Other than that, it's a great day. Getting ready for a big weekend of sports that I can't wait to uh, talk with you guys about and chop it up a little bit. And absolutely and of course we will have a couple of segments uh, such as birthday and sports coming up a little bit. And also at the end of the show, we've got time, what to watch for over the weekend uh, as there's going to be another sport entering the fray this weekend for a uh, exhibition uh, to start the year. So I'll uh, try to get to that if we have time towards the end of the show as well. But let's start off with, again, the uh, big Auburn football-related news today, which is that the Auburn Board of Directors voted unanimous, unanimously to Initiate the Jordan-Hare Stadium North End Zone Video Board Project. So, uh, the long-awaited news that a plan would be put in place and move forward for that North End Zone is starting to come to fruition. For right now, it is just the video board agreement, and there is not a price tag on it uh, that I have seen. They did give the dimensions of, which I want to relay in just a minute, it's believed that it will be started in 2024, which is uh, this year, of course, and then completed in time for the 2025 football season. So not be there for this football season, but should be ready for the 2025 football season. And one thing that I wanted, uh, was very curious about, was going to be the size of this bad boy. Uh, because we said it would not be as big as the one that's behind the student section in the south end zone, but it is still very large. So, for reference, the current video board, the video board size of the current one there in the south end zone is 190 feet wide and 57 feet tall. Okay, so that's 190 by 57. The new one in the north end zone is going to be 154 by 47. So it's going to be about 10 feet less tall and about 36 feet less wide. But still, I mean, that is a good, uh, what, rough math. They're 80% the size, 80 to 85% the size of the one that is currently already there in the south end zone. And so that is going to be a fairly large uh, board. And if you've seen on their social media graphics or any stories of it, they do have a rendering of it. The other important thing here is, too, this is just expected to be phase one of the plan. 
Uh, there is going to be a plan at a later date to, I believe, uh, this is now entering some some speculation, but I believe some sort of premium seating uh, along so, alongside of this video board. And again, if you see the rendering, you can see how they could kind of add it on a similar level and add on to it above the existing seating in that north end zone. So that's my take. But what is not my take, what is a fact, is they do want this to be some sort of multi-layered plan here, that this is not the only thing they would like to accomplish in the north end zone. If you've been reading between the lines and you've been reading what John Cohen has been trying to aim to do in some of these other venues on Auburn's campus, what he has already done uh, with some venues on Auburn's campus, uh, I do think premium seating will be the next thing uh, for that north end zone. But again, 2024, so this year, they will start some preliminary work on the video board. And then in 2025, they should have it up and running there in the north end zone. So guys, uh, how excited are you about it? Uh, and I guess next for next steps, if there if you would like to see this be it for the north end zone, if you do want some of that premium seating or something else, just I guess what would be next for Jordan Harris team after this? Uh, well, first I want to point out I saw this uh, written somewhere that it was you know we we talked about we, we were talking earlier this week uh, when Tom was on the show about the the potential at, uh, to do something with that north end zone, especially the school board. That school board's only thirty years old. I, I had not, you know, we, we talk, we're talking about it like it was on a 1970s version school board, but that thing's only 30-something years old, which uh, is kind of shocking that the, it's that new. Yeah, that late 80s, new, yeah. That, that new, quote-unquote, uh, for, for what it looks like. But I think it's exciting. Um, I, I think that it is, you know, a a, uh, a, a step toward a, you know, you, you expand that north end zone a little bit with, with, you know, add some seating. I also think it's, you know, it, it's impressive that it's the size it's going to be. I think that's the most impressive. Uh, and you know, what you said, 10 feet shorter, 30 feet uh, less width wide. Um, that's honestly, I don't know how much of a visual difference that's going to be. Uh, it, it's, you know, you're going to look at it and I, I'm sure, you know, I, I'm sure it plays into uh, some of the stuff with, um, the the video side of things where it's easier for the the video staff the Warrior production staff to work uh work their you know have have both things uh video boards going where you can not have to really you know take down the the vi- the uh you know, ref- reformat the vin- the video size I, that's, I think that's what I'm trying to say um I think it's it's exciting um I, I think that it's it leads you know like you said it, it leads a, a area where you can potentially expand in the near future um you you know probably as, as you mentioned john cohen has put a real emphasis on premium seating premium experiences uh on these all these different sports and auburn football could be that that next one I, you know we they just finished a couple years ago that new broadway club where the old press box used to be at the 50 yard line um and then they redid a few of the suites on the east side of the stadium too. And so this would be this would be interesting. This would be a, a fun uh, fun reshaping of of the north side of Jordan Hare Stadium. Yeah, I think this was the right thing to do. You know, I I had always heard in classes, you know, with the production side is that's what my degree is in. You know, they had always been rumored something was going to 
happen over there. They just didn't know when. It was just, you know, it wasn't a matter of if. It was just a matter of when. And uh, I, I like it. Uh, you know, I think it was just time for a change. I know it's nostalgic for a lot of people. And I enjoyed looking at it over times. You know, being in the student section, it was a lot easier to read that. You know, kind of just was just more simple. But uh, I understand why, you know, you got to roll out with it and uh, get some premium seat in there because those are – uh, those will probably be pretty cool for the people that can afford it. I'm sure it'll be a good time up there. But um, nevertheless, I'm I'm all for it. I think it'll be pretty uh pretty unique. I think uh, it'll probably it won't be like whenever the whenever the jumbotron first came because it's not as big. But whenever the jumbotron first came, everyone would look up at it. I remember one of my professors told me about it. It, it was such a distraction from the from actually playing football. So. Uh, I don't think it'll be like that, but I still think it was, um, you know, it was one of those things where it's been a long time coming, and uh, Cohen finally got the moves in, and uh, I don't know if, uh, when, uh, I don't know if it released, but does anyone have like a ETA on when that's supposed to uh, be in place, the new thing? or The video board? Yeah. Yeah, just said it's, it's going to be starting this year, and it'll be in place for 2025. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I want yeah, that'll be interesting for whenever uh, the football games are going on. But uh, nevertheless, uh, yeah, I think it was um, a good move, uh, a good move, and uh, and they can get started on it. Make sure that you look at Vanderbilt and don't do what they did <laughs> with their renovations. Yeah. What? Have it hanging in uh, in yeah. midair. Yeah. Don't uh, do that. I was a fan of that, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Vandy will not be copied in the making of the uh, new Jordan Hare Stadium boards. Uh, another reference point for you, if you're curious exactly how big this is. So, uh, Davis Wade Stadium updated some video board stuff uh, in recent years. Now, their measurement is—I I, will—I will tell on them a little bit. It's a little dishonest because they count the support for it uh, as well as counting the actual screen space. The actual screen part of the Davis Wade Stadium video board is 47 feet high, which is exactly what this new one will be for Auburn. But it is 111 feet wide, whereas this one for Auburn will be 154 feet wide. So, again, Davis Wade's, I mean, if you've seen that or you've been there, I mean, that's a very sizable video board. It will be the same height but it will be even longer than that one. And again, that is still shorter or short of uh, the one in the current South and so still a very large video board that is going to be coming to Jordan Hare stadium in 2025. Then we'll see from there what, uh, what cost they incurred and then what they believe they'll do next, which again, I would just continue to put two and two together. I think it'll be some sort of premium experience. That's something that has started to happen more around the country, and it's also something that happened uh, with the baseball stadium. I mean, you now have all the seats you still know and love. However, you do now have, uh, what, the Hall of Fame club down there at home plate. Basically, uh, you're going to have another club-level space that's eventually going to come in down the first baseline, which will, is not yet completed. Uh, and then you're going to have a different experience in the monster in left field where, you know, now I don't know if that would be necessarily be labeled as premium or not, but it's certainly new. Yeah, I think they're going to actually have that as like standing room only. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, they're not going to put seats on that for now. Uh, and then I think they're also building the new, which again, not premium, but uh, they're building the new uh, bleachers out there in the outfield, which I think is going to be student populated i believe so and i think if I'm, I'm trying to look at it now if i remember correctly they're uh are they going to finally do something on top of the um the new hitting lab out in right field 
that could be involved in the plan too. I have to double check that part of it. But uh, nevertheless, they have done a pretty comprehensive. They've they've adjusted some seating options at, at various levels and various sides of the park there. Uh, so you see that that has been a priority since John Cohen got here. Already putting that well into motion. You'll see some of that out at Plainsman Park here in just a couple of weeks. But now uh, I expect that to continue with Jordan Hare Stadium at some point. And certainly the first part of the plan, getting a new video board for the north end zone, is now officially in motion after the Auburn Board of Trustees unanimously approved it earlier today. We're going to take our first time out of the show when we come back. Birthdays in sports. We'll also get into some Auburn basketball in a little bit. Also get into baseball as the SEC made an update to their uh, tournament regulation, their tournament schedule coming when Texas and Oklahoma join the league, and we'll get into some other things as well. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday. Just got finished talking about the upgrade to the north end zone of Jordan-Hare Stadium as there is set to be another rather large video board in the near future for the stadium. Before we get into anything else, however, let's go ahead and get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, TP, what we got? Uh, Dave Casper is turning 72, former tight end in the NFL. Casper, who played at Notre Dame. Go Irish. And was an All-American there. He was drafted in the second round of the 1974 NFL Draft, where he was selected by the then Oakland Raiders. Casper had a very successful career with the Raiders, including winning a Super Bowl amongst five Pro Bowls and a four-time first-team All-Pro. Casper is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame and a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Dave Casper also went to Chilton uh, Chilton High School out of in Wisconsin. Go Tigers! Okay, we Next, can relate. Yes, yeah, yeah, we can go. We can relate. Next up is Donald Driver, who is turning 49 years old. Former NFL wide receiver Driver was selected in the seventh round of the NFL Draft out of Alcorn State. Go Braves! Yes, sir. He was selected by the Green Bay Packers and would spend his whole professional career in Green Bay. Driver was a four-time Pro Bowler, a Super Bowl champion, and is a member of the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. He finished his career with over 10,000 receiving yards and 61 touchdowns. Donald Driver went to Milby 
High School in Milby, Texas, outside of Houston. Go Buffs! Okay. Yes, sir. And next up is Harrison Smith, who is turning 35 years old. He is the current safety for the Minnesota Vikings. Smith played collegiately at Notre Dame. Go Irish! Before being selected 29th overall in the 2012 NFL Draft. Smith has been stellar in Minnesota, as many believe he is a future Hall of Famer, with six Pro Bowls to his name, alongside being a first-team All-Pro and a second-team All-Pro. Smith has has amassed over 1,000 tackles, 34 interceptions, and 19 and a half sacks. Funny enough that uh, we, we have a bunch of Irish going on. Uh, Harrison Smith went to Knoxville Christian in Knoxville, Tennessee. Go Fighting Irish. Wow. <laughs> he was, it was, yeah. It's meant to be that kind it's of day. It's a Fighting you... Irish Friday. <laughs> 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 and finally is Jeff Okuda's birthday. He's turning 25 today. Current cornerback for the Atlanta Falcons. Okuda played collegiately uh, college football at the Ohio State University. The Go Buckeyes, where he was a unanimous All-American and first-team All-Big Ten, alongside being a finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. In the 2020 NFL Draft, he was selected third overall by the Detroit Lions. His time in Detroit was plagued by injuries before being traded to the Atlanta Falcons. He started nine games for the Falcons last season, and don't forget that Tiger Communications is your home for the Atlanta Falcons. Nice. And Jeff Okuda went to South Grand Prairie High School in Texas. Go Warriors. Okay. Wow, we went one whole player without Irish. <laughs> so, yep, one player. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the birthdays in sports today. Good job, TP. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, we've, uh, we obviously used to do birthdays in sports a lot, and we did not do it during football season. Now that we're getting out of the season, we have time to work those back in and uh, the guys do a really good job uh, finding those each and every day, so appreciate that hard work. Uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and take our next break. When we come back, we'll get to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We'll also get to Auburn basketball as the Tigers get set for a date with Ole Miss Rebels in Oxford this weekend. A lot ahead. Stay tuned. Sports Call continues after this. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn want more sports call check us out online at sportscallauburn.com Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Friday afternoon as we head to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? 
it's Friday, guys. How how else could you feel? But better uh, all the way around. How uh, your guys Friday's going on uh, peacefully, and we'll uh, get started. Yes, sir. All right, guys. I saw this from Bleach Report. I said, "Wow! I hope the NBA has the I guess the compassion to do the right thing. Maybe you already know about it. Tony Snell. Yeah. Yep. Has nine years of." Uh... NBA service needs to get the ten to get the uh, retirement for the um, for the league, and he's got two autistic daughters, I believe. Yeah, Charles Barkley. Uh, I saw his video uh, where he talked about it, encouraging him. Uh, guys, I don't know very much about him. What's the reason that he has not been playing? He's not that good. <laughs> that, that, that's the that's the hard truth of it. He's yeah, he's in his early to mid thirties now. He was okay for a little while. He was uh, he could shoot the three. Uh, extend defense a little bit. He's a pretty pretty good defender, but um, he he just he. I don't think he ever averaged more than seven or eight points a game. He was always a bench player, and uh, again, he's just he's not great. So uh, that that's that's why. So he was let go by the team. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, I think he's been a free agent for two years now. I don't think he was playing anywhere last year either. Okay, who did he last play with? Oh, I don't know the last team. I know Milwaukee for a while, Chicago for a while, maybe Detroit for a little while. Yeah, he was a piston. Uh, he, he bounced around a little bit. I don't know the most recent one. The The most recent game, uh, team he was with was the Pelicans. Pelicans, okay. He's currently on the <laughs> roster for the main claw, or main Celtics, though. Okay, so he is in the G League. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, and Charles Barkley say that even if they don't want to actually you know, make him a, a, a teammate, that they could go ahead and uh, – you give him his extra year. Uh, do you think that's a uh, likelihood, guys? They will do that for him. I uh, I don't know because then you just open up the can of worms. Where, well, if he got that exception, I should get that exception. And you come up when you start coming up with reasons and uh, and that sort of thing. Obviously, his is a little bit more extenuating, but uh, I I don't think it would be likely. But Adam Silver has helped the players out from time to time, so I don't think it's absolutely impossible. Okay. All right, uh, moving on, guys. I saw this one. I said, well, I mean, you know, you just can't make this stuff up. Uh, it's from Joe Ampliano, uh, and it says, Peter Thiel, is that his name? Say that one more time. Peter Thiel, T-H-I-E-L. Yeah, yes, yes. And a group of venture capitalists, hold on to this one, because I had to almost sell out, are funding the Enhanced Games. Did you know about that? I did read the the headline of this, yep. An Olympic-style competition that allows, hold on, performance-enhancing drugs. Yep. I don't know, man. I don't know if, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. So it's like, I guess, people be competing to see who can out-steroid the other? Pretty much. Pretty much. Why are they doing this, guys? you have any clue? I I mean I think that they their stated goal is to see the absolute limits that humans can obtain with help. Um, I just uh, I I'm gonna have trouble caring. I I already can I can already feel it. I know what we're two years away from this, one year away from this. I'm gonna have trouble 2025. caring. 2025. Yeah, we'll we'll see who all actually participates in it because I also would tell you that uh, you probably will not have true Olympian level athletes participating for the most part. Uh, so they might take steroids and increase their level to get close 
to the Olympians level, but I, I would say that it would probably be hard to surpass it. That's the whole point of being Olympians. You're the very best in that discipline at that sport. So uh, they would have to do some pretty incredible things to, I think, draw much interest. Well, even if they did this, uh, they could easily be disqualified to participate in legitimate Well, right, uh, yeah. I mean, that, competition. that's why I'm saying you'll probably not actually have Olympic-level athletes do it because that will – in their Olympian careers, you, know, you, can, you can't start all that stuff and, and do all that. So, I, I, that's why I'm saying I think that you'll get probably the great athletes, but but people that did not qualify for the Olympics doing this. And then you'll ask yourself, like, can they actually make up the difference and actually break records? And I just, again, I don't think at some point you do have to have some limits. And I think this is a limit with me. I just I'm not going to to care that much. Do you think it'll be televised by any national? Um, At this rate, the CW likes stuff like this, <laughs> yeah. so maybe this is right up their alley. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, I just read about the rule changes will be coming down for uh, SEC baseball. What do you guys think about your one and done? Oh, I ha- I've not seen uh, every single rule change. I've just seen the tournament yeah, change. Yeah, it's going to be single elimination. Oh yeah, you're talking about the tournament. Yeah, no, we yeah, uh, won't be the best two out of three anymore. Right. Well, well, yeah, it wasn't. It was double elimination. It was not necessarily two out of three because yeah, we weren't okay, playing series. But, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, it. Uh, we're, we were going to get into that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I saw that yesterday, and uh, they did have to do something different with uh, adding two more teams to the league. So it'll be a little bit more challenging, right? Yeah, I mean, you you can't have and look baseball. Uh, there's a lot of random outcomes. That's even more than basketball. So uh, you could definitely have more upsets this way. It will be it, you will not necessarily be as rewarded for having deeper teams unless you actually advance through a couple games and, and get to the last day or two of the tournament. Okay, uh, guys, that's tomorrow, tomorrow's game, five o'clock. It's not start. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, how do we match up with them on at their place versus? Our place, um, do you see us being favored or maybe being underdog? Man, it's going to be – I'm going to be interested to see what Vegas does with this one because I can definitely make the argument for Auburn being favored because of how badly they beat Ole Miss the first time. Uh, and I do think Auburn is a little bit better team. However, the having to play on the road is the great equalizer. And uh, I, I think it either way will be just a couple points one way or the other. Uh, I think that Auburn, again, I, I think that they did a really good job of taking Flanagan out of it in the in the first meeting. I think he will have a chance now on his home floor to have a significantly better game. Uh, and then Auburn just defended the heck out of them. Again, they, they really did not have anyone play an overly efficient game or a prolific game. I think Flanagan had the most points, uh, but he took 10 or 11 shots to get them. So, uh, I, so, yeah, I'm looking at it right now that Flanagan led them and scored with 10 on 3 of 10 from the floor. So Auburn did not let any one person get the best of them in that game. So, And, and I will tell you this, Ole Miss is usually uh, – they have three or four guys that can usually take over a game between Matthew Morrell, between Flanagan, who's averaged 15 a game, uh, between Jalen Murray, uh, even Jamin Brakefield, the, the former Duke, uh, Duke transfer. So – I, I would find it hard to believe Auburn can that thoroughly 
uh, beat them up on the defensive end. I, although Auburn is a good defensive team, I don't expect Ole Miss to start scoring 85 or anything. It's going to be very hard to hold Ole Miss to the type of game they held them to in, in Neville Arena. What do you think we, our team needs to hold them to for us to win? I would start to get uncomfortable since it's a road game, anything over about 70 or 72. Um, I, I, I know that Auburn's offense is capable of far more than that, but we just really have not seen that very often on the road. Uh, again, you go through the road games. Obviously, the Mississippi State game is the absolute worst version of it. Alabama, you scored 75, okay, but Alabama is known to be an up-and-down kind of team. You did score 80 at Vanderbilt, and that's good, and you scored 83 at Arkansas. The problem is those two teams are the absolute worst, two of the three worst teams in the SEC. Uh, and, and Ole Miss is going to be an NCAA tournament team. That's a very different quality of team there. So I would say that they can score in the low 70s, but as you start to get to the mid-70s and high-70s, that becomes a bigger ask for the way this team is playing offensively. So anything over 70, 72, I'd start to get uncomfortable. Okay. Um, team rankings gives us a 69.9% basic 10% chance of winning. Do you give it that kind of a percentage? I, I, I would say closer to – 60-40 or 55-45. Guys, do you have a thought on that? No, I, I would I would totally agree. I'm pretty sure Brooks would agree. I would say yeah. about about 60-40. You know, it just it's just so hard to win on the road. So, um, you know, it's just you know that and Auburn has historically not played great at Old Miss, you know, even whenever Bruce has been there and Old Miss hasn't been that well. Those games have been pretty tight. I know you know about that. So, um, yeah, 60, 40, 55, 45. Wouldn't you agree, Brooks? Yeah, that, that's about what I would say. All right, guys, uh, I don't know if I read this recently or I thought I did. Maybe I was wrong. But I think I saw that Ole Miss, at least for this season, is undefeated at home. Is that right? That is correct, yes. Wow. Um, can you tell me who their SEC opponents have been that they've beaten at home? Yeah, they beat Florida. They scored 100 points on Florida, uh, and that was like the first conference home game that they had. Uh, beat Vandy, but not resoundingly, 69-56. Uh, then beat Arkansas, who obviously is not good, and beat them very easily, beat them by 26. And then they beat Mississippi State in that rivalry game uh, earlier this week. So uh, mixed bag of teams. There's certainly no one in the top four or five in the league. Florida's going to be a bubble team. Mississippi State's going to be a bubble team. So again, the couple wins worth noting at least, but uh, they've not had they've not played any premium opponents, any top four or five SEC teams yet at home. Yeah, I don't want to give a lot of importance to the game, but I am going to. You tell me if I'm wrong, but man, we've got to start winning uh, some of these on the road games. And this team, according to team rankings, has them number sixty. You look. I'll tell you this. I I'm not. Um, Look, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. If you're trying to achieve Auburn to be a realistic, uh, deep run into the NCAA tournament type of team, a team that can truly be the top 10 team that it was ranked uh, last week, uh, this is a game that they do need to win. They do need to start accruing these victories. Um, the month of February is going to be very difficult for Auburn. This, I could argue, I could argue that this is the second or third uh, easiest game of the of the month. I can make the argument, not necessarily saying that, but at least from a team perspective, uh, I believe Alabama's better than Ole Miss. I believe that South Carolina is at least as good as Ole Miss. I believe Kentucky's better than Ole Miss. I believe Tennessee's better than Ole Miss. 
I believe Georgia is probably slightly below Ole Miss, and I believe Florida is probably just as scotched below Ole Miss. But, uh, again, from a team perspective-wise, this is probably the third, in air quotes, worst team you're playing in the month. Obviously, home venue matters. But, uh, again, this is definitely not – on the easy, you know, not on the harder end of games for the month of February. That's how tough this month is, and so Auburn, Auburn's got to get some of these at some point. And they'll be a tournament team. I think they'll stay in the top twenty-five. I'll see all the rest of the season. But if you want them to have the realistic expectation to make a run in March, they're going to have to find a way to win a couple of these. Yeah, uh, most definitely. And do you see any any likelihood that they'd be looking ahead to the Alabama game? I don't think so. Uh, I I don't think that that uh, they are in the luxury position to do that. Uh, if they had beaten Mississippi State uh, the right afterwards, I would say that that would be more plausible because they would not be having the perceived road bugaboos that we that that they are now having, and I think they're going to be fired up to try to get a road victory. Uh, so no, I I would not I would not anticipate that. Okay, and finally, guys, on this date in 1876, the National League was actually formed. All right. All right, and there were eight teams in the original National League. Do you happen to know what any any one of those eight teams, who they were, just uh, one of them? Oh, I don't know. What What was the year again? 1876. See, they're not even going to be their whole their names for the most part anymore. I don't and know. No, I wasn't back there. Then. <laughs> Boston Bean Eaters. Um, no, mm. but you're coming close. Was there a team How from about Boston? Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta oh. Braves, but they weren't called Atlanta Braves back then. Right. Boston they were Americans. The Boston Red Stockings. No, that's not okay. Wow. How yeah. about that one? Yeah. Uh, then there were teams that don't even exist anymore. The Hartford Dark Blues. Okay. The Louisville Grays. Heard, heard the name. Okay. Uh, the St. Louis Brown Stockings. Uh, they must like stockings a lot back then. <laughs> All right. So anyway, just thought I'd let you know that today was uh, the founding of the uh, National League. Big day for the sport. There we go. And it took 25 years later to actually get the American League. That was in 1901. There you go. So if you didn't know it, now you do know it. So with that said, guys, uh, I hope. We will talk again on Monday and say, wow, that was a heck of a game. Hope so. Hope so. It's so, a big one. Uh, that said, guys, thank you for your time as always. My time is way, way up. You have a enjoyable and relaxing uh, and hopefully entertaining uh, weekend. And we'll uh, do this again Monday. Until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, see. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward AMC joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line time for another phone call before we head to our end of our break 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine next up james from montgomery james is with us james how are you today i'm good and war eagle war eagle yeah i've been trying to cover this super bowl uh news and i've been trying to see do you all think that patrick mahomes might make it a three in this year's Super Bowl next Sunday against the uh, champion San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got a great opportunity to win his third Super Bowl second in a row. I think that uh, this team uh, that they'll be facing against San Francisco is uh, a team that's going to have to put more pressure on Mahomes than what we've seen earlier in the postseason. Mahomes was not sacked, I believe, until this Baltimore game. 
uh, in the AFC Championship game, and so pressure on him is going to have to increase. But uh, we know how good he is, and we know the Chiefs' defense has been really, really good this year uh, for the first time since he's been there, really. So I think the Chiefs have a great opportunity for it. Yes, because I think with the Kansas City Chiefs, I think they look like a good uh, Super Bowl team and a historic Super Bowl team because I did see a lot of Super Bowl classics from the Kansas City Chiefs when they were the Kansas City Chiefs back in the day. And I think this is going to be a really tough test for uh, the San Francisco 49ers. I know this is a rematch from Super Bowl 57, so everybody knew who was going to win that game. And I think that was the Kansas City Chiefs that beat the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 57. So this is going to be a rematch of that um, previous Super Bowl last year. Yeah, uh, so again, Kansas City was in the Super Bowl last year, uh, but they did they did not play San Francisco last year. It was the Philadelphia Eagles. The 49ers and Chiefs played, I believe, Super, Super Bowl 54 uh, in 2019. So that's the last time the uh, Chiefs and 49ers met in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I think this is the rematch of Super Bowl uh, 54. So I think this is going to be um, a, a tough test right here. So, um, you know, a lot of people, they're they're uh, putting in their bets a little early. And I, I think it's going to be a really good Super Bowl as well. I'm going to be watching this Super Bowl, this uh, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. I might watch it on Nickelodeon, so it's going to be really good. And uh, the halftime show for Nickelodeon is really going to be good as well. So I'm going to be watching that one as well indeed yeah i saw that uh spongebob's uh performing i believe it's the opening act i think he's Mm -hmm. uh, it's the sweet victory so uh i i'm i'm gonna have to tune in to watch that i mean i i I saw that i thought that was uh pretty cool of nickelodeon to do that yes as well because you know when they actually um nickelodeon actually has part in the nfl so they they do like a little uh like a little well, while the actual game is the real game, but they do uh, like the little uh, slime thing that they do. Uh, they've been doing that for like years, so I think that's a really good thing to you know to have like if they have like the little ones to actually watch something like that. That that would be like a family thing for for the little ones to actually get you know to laugh at the players getting slimed on while the game is going on as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good idea that to have that uh, available. Yes, as well. And then with this um, week uh, that's coming up with Auburn versus Ole Miss, I have Auburn favorite to win, so they're looking good. And I'm actually seeing if they're going to look good for the rest of the season before uh, the March Madness uh, takes place for Auburn. And um, I'm going to just see how we're going to take this uh, good road game against uh, against uh, Ole Miss this coming up week as well. So I'm I'm very very excited to see what uh, Bruce Pearl might have under, you know, in his uh, back pocket as well. So I think Janai Broom is actually going to be sweeping this this team under the rug as well. Yeah, we certainly hope so. I know that, uh, again, the road and home difference for this team, as it is with most teams in mm-hmm. college basketball, is pretty wide. But Auburn did smoke Ole Miss in Neville Arena a few weeks ago. And, uh, of course, uh, the goal is just to be able to get out of there with any sort of win this time. Yes, as well. So I think my final prediction for this game would be Auburn 95 to Old Miss 23. That that would be certainly uh, smoking them. So uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. 
Yes, as well. And then with uh, with me being an Auburn fan, I know this is uh, near and dear to my heart. One of our great Auburn legends has passed away, um, uh, Terry Bowden. Um, I know he's a really good football player. Yeah, on Terry Terry Beasley. Terry Beasley. Yeah, yeah. yeah his brother. Uh, yeah, uh, you know his brother. Uh, you know, I know he's. Uh, I know he's very. I know he has a heavy heart on his. Uh, younger brother as well because they're both brothers and I know that's going to be um, very very hard for him as well so I'm, I'm actually trying to see if they're going to do uh, funeral arrangements for that as well because I would um, you know uh, go to that and um, you know uh, you know give my my uh, condolences to his uh, brother as well so so that would be for me as an Auburn fan as well because I know he's He's truly gonna. He's gonna be, you know, in everybody's hearts and in everybody's minds as well because he did so much on and off the field for Auburn as well. Yeah, Terry Beasley, obviously one of the all-time great Auburn football players, and uh, was Pat Sullivan's go-to guy, and uh, certainly mm-hmm. has his number retired by Auburn football, and he will be missed. Yes, as well. And then this coming up March, on March the 15th, I will be in Montgomery, Alabama at the Riverwalk Stadium to see the Auburn men's baseball team. So I'll be out there. And I'm hoping I'll get to see a lot of Auburn fans. So if they actually want to come by and say hello to me while I'm watching the game, that's more than welcome to as well. Yeah, hopefully a lot of people go do that. Yes, as well, because I'm a true Auburn fan as well. And a lot of people that always want to hear hear what I have to say for Auburn so I'm a I'm a I'm a pretty I'm a pretty decent guy I call in I call into the show every single week so it's uh it's a good thing that I'm that I'm on this um radio show as well yeah absolutely uh and again we'll uh once that baseball game comes time hopefully a lot of people will, will end up going to that one and Auburn will play good baseball yes as well and then with the Super Bowl uh that's that's coming up this uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. I would like to have some Super Bowl trivia to close out this uh, second hour of sports call as well. Uh, all right, uh, yeah, Super Bowl trivia. We weren't quite prepared for it. We have time for one or two quick questions. Okay. Uh, let let uh, let's. I think Brooks and the TP are working on it here, real quick. All right. Uh, let's start things off with what teams have won the most Super Bowls. Uh, what teams have won the most Super Bowl? There's two of them that are tied for the lead with six apiece. I would actually have to say that will be, ooh, that would be the Kansas City Chiefs is one. No, that's not quite right. No, 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 I'll take that one back. All right. Um, I know it's the New England Patriots. That's one of them. Very good. And, uh, hmm? I said very good. One more. And the other one would have to be... Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, not quite. They, they've I got, wish they've got two, so they would they would need four more to tie it. Ooh, here, here's a here. You want a hint? Mm-hmm. Terry Bradshaw was their quarterback. Mm, the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots have the most Super Bowls apiece. All right. <laughs> I I got I got one for you. Real yeah, one point. last question. Uh, which okay. college has produced the most Super Bowl winning quarterbacks? Oh, I know this one. Um, I would actually have to say that would be Jim Harbaugh's uh, 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 national championship team, 
the Michigan Wolverine. Uh, that is incorrect. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's out on the West Coast. Okay, it's out on the West Coast. I know it's not UCLA. No, but you're in the right state. I know it's not. Uh, I, I know it's not USC. I've got a hint for you. Auburn played them in football this year. Okay, we did play them in football this year. California? That is correct. Very good, James. Good job. All right. Yes, I was was actually sweating bullets for that one. Well, you you came through in the clutch there. Yes, as well, indeed. And then I have some uh, NASCAR news on Tuesday as well, because this coming up on February the 6th, they are going to be doing Clash of uh, the the NASCAR Clash of Champions, and um, it's going to be really good this year, and I'm waiting to see who will win this one. Um, they're going to be talking about it um, next week, so they're going to be uh, talking about how they're going to do the um, betting line for this one. So it's, uh, it's going to be a really good one this year, and I'm ready for to see my driver, Bubba Wallace, to uh, – to actually get a win in L.A. this time. All right. Yeah, we're looking forward to that for sure. All right. Sounds good. And I'll talk to you all guys on Tuesday. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James calling from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And that is how the first hour will end. T.P. Hammock, thank you for joining us for this first hour. Again, he'll be over there with Smith Station uh, girls basketball helping uh, Brant run the show there on FM Talk 93.9. Thanks for being here for this first hour. Thank you as always. Brooks and I will continue on after this timeout. We'll talk more about Auburn basketball, SEC basketball coming up this weekend, reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week, and much, much more. Stay tuned. Sports Call returns after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, we certainly appreciate you. However, you may be listening to the show on this Friday. Ryan and Brooks with you here as we continue on. We'll have Player of the Week in just a few minutes. Want to get to a couple of baseball items. 
that we had um, one bit of reporting news in terms of the league and one thing that uh, can give, give, give you a good laugh at the end of the day. We'll start with the reporting from Kendall Rogers yesterday, then later confirmed by the Southeastern Conference that starting in 2025, when Oklahoma and Texas do join the league, you will have a 16-team SEC baseball tournament taking place in Hoover, and it will be single elimination. So obviously those two things are notable changes right now in this 14-team SEC. Only 12 have qualified for the SEC baseball tournament. Meanwhile, there has been a double elimination format for those that advance past the first day of the tournament. So, Brooks, uh, your thoughts, both sides of this, single elimination versus double, and then everyone getting in as opposed to a couple being left out. Um, I, I really like everybody getting in, and uh, you know, I know that you know there that kind of could be construed as you know the oh everybody gets a participation trophy, good job, you competed. But the fact that you've got so many teams in, uh, there was bound with if you continue to you know let you know if you said hey we're adding two teams so we're going to you know keep the the tournament the same size, which meant two more teams would get left out. You may get a a, a fairly decent team. Uh, that you know was right there at the you know fought their way into what would have been you know getting into the tournament uh, would get left out. I, I remember a few years ago Auburn was in that position. They had to go up to Missouri and they had to win in Missouri. I think they had to win the series or sweep the series against Missouri in Columbia to get into the SEC tournament, and they did it. And they were able to to fight their way uh, into that fight their way into that last. And it was the last series of the year too. They had to fight their way into the into the SEC tournament, and they did it. And so that would eliminate uh, a team like that Auburn team getting into the tournament because they would, you know, two more teams getting left out would that that they would not be in that position. Um, it would make it a little bit more of an elite tournament, uh, but the SEC doesn't need help being an elite tournament. It's it's all it's one of the best baseball tournaments uh, in the in in, in the country. Um, <clears throat> I re- uh, and so I, I like having the expand you expand the tournament out you let everybody in and who knows uh, you know you you get you've got more of an opportunity now for a, a team to make a Cinderella run that gets their way uh, fights their way through and maybe punches a ticket into the the NCAA tournament by winning a few games uh, in the in the NCAA or in the SEC tournament um, when it comes to going from single from double elimination to single elimination it's a mixed bag for me uh, because I think it's on the one side, you get one game, you're guaranteed one game, uh, and you've got to throw everything out there. You've got to, you know, it's going to create some very intense moments. It's going to create some high, uh, uh, high leverage situations, kind of like when MLB added the, the extra wild card and it was, it, every, everything kind of ramped up a little bit more you're like oh man this is or when they when, when they added the runner on second uh in extra innings you're like all right we've got to we've we've got to be perfect here you you you've got to be perfect so you've got to be near perfect you mentioned it earlier ryan when we were talking to uh to steve in the first hour if you've got a deep team now that really is not going to show it until you unless you win a couple games and that's where you're going to to go i i the 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 thing that i don't like about it is we've we've talked you know we talk about baseball or we talk about basketball all the time being anybody can beat anybody baseball almost the same way is that we've we've seen some really really good baseball teams drop some of these midweek game 
uh, types to a, a team they have no business losing to. And folks will, you know, will we'll get calls and say, how did this happen? Well, sometimes the, you know, you, you're, you, you know, you have a pitcher that's just off his game one, one night. You've got uh, a couple hitters who are just seeing everything so well that night. You, you know, maybe you have a couple defensive errors that usually don't happen. The ball can bounce weird in one game. And so that's the, that's the downside is that once you get, you know, you, you get all these teams in there and maybe you've got a really, really good LSU team or you got a really, really good Arkansas team. Well, you run into a game where maybe you don't field a ball cleanly and that costs you the tournament game. And and so it it's it I, I see both sides of it. I really like that the competition is gonna be ramped up. I really like how everything's gonna be more intense. Everything's going to be a, a winner go home situation, kinda like when you get into March Madness, the field of sixty four, everything is winner go home. Um but I also don't, you know, I, I also, you know, when you get into that double elimination stage, I know the first round was single elimination still in this current format, but once you get to that double elimination area, it would have been, you don't have a chance to mess up. There's not a chance for a good team to have a flop game and then be able to recover. That's it. So <clears throat> I think that I'm good with everyone being in. If you think it, well, the way I've thought about baseball in college is way more in line with with basketball. If you think about how college basketball conference tournaments are done, uh, usually everyone does qualify, uh, and it's because if you win your tournament, you have the right, uh, you have the automatic berth into the NCAA tournament for basketball, and it is that same way in baseball. Uh, it gives you something to play for. Uh, it's a random outcome sport, and uh, I, I'm good with that because I don't know what exactly the format would look like to go up to 14, but it seems kind of trivial to say, no, we're not going to keep it as is. We will go from 12 to something. However, we still want to keep a couple of teams from, uh, from being in it. Uh, this league is incredibly good. Uh, that does not mean it will always be that way. So, you, I mean, you've got to have a format that would sustain. But uh, this league certainly has been as deep as any league in the country for years now. Adding Oklahoma and Texas will only further that. Those are not two programs that are accustomed to losing a lot in college baseball. Uh, these should be two programs that continue to enhance the conference in terms of baseball. Uh, and so I'm good with everyone being in it. However, as I've discussed, I want to be consistent with something I talked about with, uh, with baseball's Major League Baseball playoffs back in October. Because oh. baseball is so much of a uh, – it can be so random outcome laden, I would still prefer the double em elimination to be in it at some point. Um, you still have to give and make sure there is an advantage to the better teams. Uh, and, and look, you can argue that getting the buy uh, is part of that, but I would tell you that there still needs to be a little bit more of an advantage for these other teams because you don't want a team to get streaky for a game or two, be playing while the other team's sitting, and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, you come in with hot bats and you take out a team with one, just one stroke of the bat, basically, and a team does not have a chance to recover. Uh, I understand that with a bigger tournament, you do start to run low on time. One of my absolute goofiest and favorite things in college athletics is trying to see them get 
all the games in in a timely manner in Hoover, Alabama for the SEC baseball tournament. That, uh, Depending on your point of view, that is either uh, absolute hell or is a circus of which we can all point and laugh at because uh, there will be rain that week. <laughs> the games will take four hours, and you you will not get out of there on time. Who gets mad at LSU baseball at three a.m.? I don't. <laughs> uh, but but that that the point remains. It does get played that late. So the format is this again: the top eight seeds will get a buy. Uh, the top four seeds will get a double buy. So uh, the first day, which is Tuesday, you have four games. Wednesday, you have four games, and then Thursday. Uh, you only have two games. You have the uh, seeds that uh, got buys uh, playing uh, one and four seeds to be exact. And then Friday, you have the two and three seeds playing for the first time. And then Saturday, you have the winner of those Thursday and Friday games. And then Sunday, you have the championship game. That's the simplest way to put it. So, in other words, you're the two and three seed. The tournament starts Tuesday. You don't play till Friday. You technically have three days off, and then the one four seeds start. They start Thursday. They have two days. I just think that you could very easily put all those games into Thursday, Friday. Then you, uh, you like I'm saying, you should probably start the double elimination part on Thursday. And I would say that the benefit of being top four is that you are guaranteed the double by part of it or the the double elimination part of it. And then five through eight would still have to win a single game too. That's probably the way I would do it. I know that's a lot of baseball, uh, and I get it. And I'd have to sit all down and make sure that not any one team is playing like eight games in, in six days, although you can't really play twice in one day in the sport. So that wouldn't be a huge issue. I just – I don't know. I think that you have to allow for this is baseball and this is a little bit different animal and uh, – any one thing can happen, and you want to make sure that there are at least some advantages for the teams that did perform better in the regular year, and I'm not sure that just simply getting a bye, as is the case in Major League Baseball, I'm not sure that that simply uh, is as big of an advantage as it needs to be or or is perceived to be. So uh, overall, though, again, I, I like that everyone's going to be in it, uh, but I just, I just know that there's going to be teams that lose as a three or four seed or two seed lose their very first game to a team that's playing their best baseball of the year and, and will not have another chance to respond to it, and that's going to rub some people the wrong way. So trying to protect against that a little bit, but I do agree that, that uh, I'm, I'm glad everyone will be in it. Uh, certainly be a little less anxiety in the regular season for those teams at the bottom. Because, you know, and, and you know, you, you look at, you know, we you mentioned how storied the SEC is in baseball, how, how elite of a conference it is. Texas is a baseball program that's elite, Oklahoma's had their moments in the past, uh, you know, couple uh, decades, and so these aren't these are two teams that are coming in. It's not like you're adding. It's not like the ACC's adding Cal, like or Stanford's a good baseball program, yeah. but it's not like you're adding SMU. I yeah, don't know what yeah, SMU yeah. does. You're, it's yeah. not like you're adding Cal and Could SMU wrong, to your to your program. Yeah. You're like, oh well, maybe they'll do something. Both of these programs in Oklahoma and Texas have history in baseball. Absolutely. So, again, I'm good with it. I, I would still I. I I just take Hoover to be a goofy week overall, so I'd love as much chaos as possible with the double donation and, again, making sure the advantage and that sort of thing. But uh, everyone will be in the SEC baseball tournament starting in 2025 when Oklahoma and Texas get here. So one more year of having to sweat out if you're at the bottom of the league to even make it to Hoover for the chance to try to win an automatic berth into the NCAA tournament. The other baseball thing wanted to hit on real quickly, again, another thing to enjoy and kind of kind of laugh at, uh, was that Brad Bohannon got 
uh, his penalties from the NCAA uh, the other day, and some more testimony and quotes came out about the the betting scandal there uh, with Alabama baseball last year. I'm gonna read you a quote or two that is just thing I like. It's beyond common sense. Like you just gotta know that you can't do this and you can't be this obvious. And so it's the guy uh, that the is the better that Bohannon was working with. First, it starts with he tried to bet more money than the maximum, uh, which first which first uh, is a red flag. A, you seem to have a gambling problem, or B, you seem to be very sure of something. Uh, and so he was trying to go above uh, the maximum, which I believe was 15000 He tried to bet 100000 uh, which is substantially more. And so it then became he getting disgruntled that he could not bet that. And then he said to the sportsbook staff, quote, that bet was for sure going to win, and if you only guys knew, if you guys only knew what I knew, if you only knew what I knew, well, spoiler alert, they're about to know what you're gonna, <laughs> what you know, and it's not a good thing. Uh, anyway, Bohannon got a 15-year show cause. It's a long time. Which Brooks, I would simply just ask you: At what point do you say, you know what, never again? Because 15 years is a very long time. I don't recall a show cause being that long. At that point, what at what year amount do you say, ah, you know what, he's just banned. <laughs> he's just never again. Because 15 years. I mean, we're going to be nearly at 2040 when, <laughs> when he can coach again. <laughs> I just, I don't Baseball know, man. Baseball will have five bases by that point. Yeah. yeah. You, you think the uh, you think it was simple? I was talking about with the SEC tournament. Wait till it's twenty fourteen. <laughs> Wait till you have indeed gotten to just two or three big conferences. I don't know, man. What wild wild situation there? The the fact that you openly said, "If you knew what I knew," <laughs> what <laughs> are you doing to a people that you already know are going to be very much alert, uh, attentive to that? Like again. The house does not want to get screwed over, all right? Uh-uh. Like, that that's a pretty obvious thing. And if you're trying to kind of trash talk them a little bit, you think there's going to be like, oh, I respect his game. No, they're going to look into it. If you knew what I knew. <laughs> it's something someone just hammered would say uh, to to the sportsbook what, staff. What we're saying here is Mr. Bohannon was not playing with, uh, with an experienced gambler. <laughs> no. Uh, he was probably he was like he was probably telling him, "Hey, guy, hey man, just play it cool. We're gonna we're gonna be all right here." Uh, and then he just took it up to not cool, cool <laughs> yeah, level. We we escalated to not cool very quickly. Uh, and then I think uh, another part here is Bohannon texted the better. Uh, Hammer is out for sure. It was the pitcher. Let me know when I can tell LSU. Hurry. <laughs> I just. Oh, this is this is uh, not good. Uh, it was not good then, and the details are not better. Uh, so pretty, pretty fun, <laughs> funny circumstance. Of course, it's around the serious issue of you know uh, trying to potentially fix games and and that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, Bohannon hit with a 15 year show cause after being involved in that betting scandal with Alabama baseball. And uh, just wild, wild quotes. If, if you uh, if you're looking for, it, I'd highly recommend looking up 
uh, more details on it because it was pretty good stuff yesterday. So that's a, a look into the world of college baseball just a couple weeks away from college baseball. I believe uh, 14 days away until uh, Auburn gets going inside Plainsman Park. So getting excited about baseball, but just want to update there on what the SEC had to say about their future tournament with Oklahoma and Texas and, of course, the revelation and finale of penalties there uh, with Brad Bohannon uh, with the uh, the betting scandal there. All right, we're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week. If you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401, locally or toll-free, one Blake 9 Tiger 9 Sports Call returns after this timeout. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this beautiful Friday afternoon. Felt a little springish today. I know. I, I pulled out the hoodie. I pulled out the our uh, hoodie for our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, to rep, rep the brand today. And it's a little warm. I'm not going to yeah. lie. A little warm. You haven't rolled the sleeves up yet. You're no. champing through it. Uh, yeah, no, I just went full just normal polo shirt today. I've I, I'm I'm privy to this knowledge as someone that keeps up with the weather. You might have heard from time to time. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you Sunday, you'll want that on, though. I was going to say, this week, up until today, it's been one of those weeks where you walk out the door in the morning and you're like, oh, I need a little cover-up. And then you get to the afternoon, you're like, oh, now, now it's starting yeah. to get a little warm. That Today's is true. the worst, though. That, that is true. That is true. All right, before we continue on with the show, or as we continue on with the show, As we do each and every week, it's time to reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week. Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Kelsey had a vintage performance on Sunday, reeling in all 11 of his targets for 116 yards and a touchdown as the Chiefs took down the Ravens in the AFC Championship 17-10. With the performance, Kelsey now has caught 152 passes in the postseason for his career, passing Jerry Rice for most all-time. Travis Kelsey is Sports Call's Player of the Week. So Travis Kelsey, Sports Calls Player of the Week. I promise no Swifties were involved in the voting this week. Unless, Brooks, you're considering yourself a Swiftie. Uh, I didn't vote for Travis Kelsey. So. Oh, that's true. That's true. You, uh, Yes, you did not. So uh, with Travis winning, I think the biggest reason we most of us voted for him was the breaking of a Jerry Rice record, <clears throat> which I understand. Okay, I get it. I may have been born, but it was not yesterday. 
that the game has changed a lot and that Jerry was way ahead of his time in a game that was not pass-heavy yet. Yeah. Uh, however, when you break a Jerry Rice receiving record of any kind, uh, that is worth being celebrated. And so for him, for Travis Kelsey to do that, obviously – uh, I'd have to go back and look. I'm going to assume that Kelsey's played in more postseason games. I, it doesn't matter. Like to get that many catches to be that reliable uh, on a year two where I felt like you were starting to notice a decline in him at times this year. He was starting to look a step slow. He dropped a few more passes than I remember him dropping. Just everything was just a step slow. He is ramped back up here, and he was awesome that game. Any worthwhile pass in the first half was going to Travis Kelsey. Uh, and it was not until that Valdez-Scantling catch on that third down play at the very end where it felt like there was a huge play made by someone other than him. And, I, I you know, again, he has re-elevated his level of play here, and he's a huge reason that uh, him and Rasheed Rice are, are basically what Mahomes is having to lean on for receiving targets, and that's why it was so big that the receivers were a little off this year because Kelsey seemed also just a little mm-hmm. off. But now he looks rejuvenated. And now they've got Rasheed Rice. And, look, it's not the Chiefs' prime offense of 18, 19, 20, but it's back in it's in some sort of, some sort of business, or at least at times. And then you got the Mahomes guy, and they're still in good shape. There they are. It feels like, and I don't know if, you know, obviously don't have any knowledge, you know, connection to, to Travis Kelsey or anything, but it feels like he, at the beginning of the year, he kind of knew that it was that he's not – the tight end he used to be and he you know I, I know you know you talked about the the drop passes and stuff or drop catches and, and such but it feels like he he saved he, it feels like he was saving a little bit to get down toward the playoff run and then then you started seeing him turn it on uh turn it on late and has really stepped up here um going into the postseason into the postseason it's just impressive you know it, he he continues to do it uh at a high level um I don't know if this is it. Uh, I feel like you know this. This this is just me uh, again speculating. Uh, it feels like that if if his brother Jason decides that this is this was ultimately his final season playing football, Travis may go one more year so that Jason gets his. Hey, this is my retirement. I'm going out, and then Travis goes one more year and then does his. So they don't. They're not like oh the Kelsey all Kelseys are retiring at the same time. This and people are more focused on J- Travis's career rather than Jason's career. He he let his brother have a little bit of uh, of the spotlight of you know highlighting their the the Kelsey careers, <clears throat> and then Travis goes out maybe next year. Um, but uh, it, it's it was just impressive. You know you you look at this past weekend, uh, eleven receptions, one hundred sixteen yards, ten and a half per per catch. That is over a first down, just past a first down per catch was his average uh, this past weekend. Only had one touchdown on the weekend, but still the the production that you got the the rest of the way for you know over a hundred uh, receiving yards on the afternoon against a, a Baltimore team that was the number one seed coming into this. They were a team that uh, you know a lot of people had uh, po- uh, penciled into their you know their uh, the Super Bowl against the uh, the 49ers. There was act- there was even a conspiracy theory out there that it was already determined that it was going to be the Ravens and the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and so uh, for them to go out there and you know continue to do it to, to continue to to play high level football. You know, also give credit to Andy Reid what they've been able to do. He's been able to keep, get them going at the at the right time uh, here at the end of the year, 
And uh, but this this past weekend, Travis Kelsey was elite. And like you said, uh, Ryan, when you break a, a Jerry Rice record, it go. You know, you, you mentioned it was a different time. That's like when when you throw out the. Uh, you know, oh, you know, Steph Curry couldn't have survived in the in the uh, Michael Jordan era because of the the checks and everything. And it's like, you know, cool, great. He doesn't play in that era, though. It, it It's like it, you, you have to look at everything in in, you know, in terms of what it is now. And so uh, or what it is at the time that they are playing. So. It's, uh, you know, we used to play football with uh, leather helmets and elite, uh, a, a literal pigskin out there. And so you're not throwing that thing pretty far uh, in the early days of football. So, but Jerry Rice, you know, any time that you can break a, a, you can have your name mentioned in the same sentence as Jerry Rice when it comes to football, uh, it, it's a really, really big deal. Yeah, and look, Kelsey, on the, num- the numbers don't lie for him this year. Uh, this was his third uh, least amount of receiving yards he had had uh, prior to this year I believe eight consecutive thousand yard seasons seven consecutive thousand yard seasons and catch wise it was still there but this was his lowest average yards per catch at 10 and a half of his entire career he was typically in the 12s maybe the 13s 10.6 this year's the first time he was even below 12 so he was not getting the same uh, big plays not necessarily the same run out of the cat run after the catch, and then his touchdowns at five was tied for second fewest of his career. So just about any way you slice it, other than his first two years in the league in fourteen and fifteen, this was his least productive uh, NFL season. And he still played fifteen games. He's usually played fifteen, sixteen, or seventeen every single year. Uh, so he was not overly banged up, although earlier in the year a little bit more. Uh, so. We'll see what kind of uh, game he can have in the Super Bowl, but certainly passing that Jerry Rice record, uh, well-deserved uh, well deserved of this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. We're going to head to our next timeout, but when we come back, we'll head on a couple of other things in the football world as well as we'll get back into basketball as we get through to the SEC slate coming up this weekend as well as our thoughts on Auburn basketball as they get set to take on Old Miss. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday. Again, reminder, 
I got some high school stuff coming up with the area tournaments. Smith Station's got uh, their girls team taking on Central Phoenix City. That will be on FM Talk 93.9 at 5 o'clock tonight. They got the Auburn High boys in the area tournament on Saturday over on FM Talk 93.9. That will be at 6.30. And then right here on Tiger 95.9 on Monday, the Beauregard High School boys team will be taking on two-seeded Tallahassee in the area tournament. Uh, and uh, we'll have coverage of that one on Monday, so that will shorten our show to start next week. And we're, we're, we mentioned it last night on the Beauregard broadcast, but if you are a, a Hornets fan or just a fan of high school basketball, the girls play tomorrow night. We're going to be unable to get out there for uh, the broadcast, but it is a home game for the Hornets, so make sure you get out there and uh, and support some high school basketball because it's going to be a really fun game between the, the Hornets and the Tallahassee Tigers in that one too. Absolutely. We're down to the postseason now in uh, high school basketball. And, of course, that means we'll be starting our high school baseball and softball coverage a little bit later this month, so we'll always keep you up to date on that. Which means it's time to get the cold temperatures to roll back in for a little bit. <laughs> right. Uh, you now want it to be 70, and now yep. it's 50. Uh, so hopefully the weather will be great for all that, but that will be coming up in a couple of weeks. All right. Well, uh, I told you that we had a couple of football things uh, to get to, and that's because just when you think the carousel has stopped spinning, and you're all good. And this is the staff. No no more need. We've analyzed it. It's good. There is more. <laughs> There's always going to be always more. more. Uh, thus, college sports. Auburn defensive line coach Jeremy Garrett is departing from the program and taking the same role with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He will be uh, assistant. Well, assistant. Uh, excuse me. He will be defensive line coach. He had formerly been in the NFL as an assistant defensive line coach. Um, so Jeremy Garrett moving for the same role, but in the NFL. So now Auburn is without a defensive line coach, uh, which makes it roughly half of the Auburn staff that they will be replacing after year one. A little too early for the full scope of the candidate list. We'll see uh, what some some of the names that come up. But uh, this was alluded to a little bit earlier this week that it was possible that he was getting an interview with the Jaguars, and now Jeremy Garrett accepts that role. It also brings us into the other thing I was wanting to talk about at some point in this show that's been going on in college the last couple of days, and that is some of these college coaches jumping uh, for, at best, lateral, maybe even a step down in some opinions, jobs in the NFL. Now, if you want to get to the point, and I, I will get to this in just a minute, if you want to make the point, that at this rate, any reputable NFL job is better than most college jobs. I I can agree with that, and we'll get into why in just a little bit. But uh, this comes on the heels of a few days ago. It started with uh, then Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley, who uh, decided to leave Boston College to become the, the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. And look, in your mind, you can say to yourself, look, it's still a coordinating job in the NFL. It's not some huge downgrade. But nevertheless, he was a Power 5 head football coach at Boston College. What also sparked the noticeable um, dialogue was that he said that he wanted to go to somewhere where it is about coaching and it's about football. Uh, That he felt the college game was not about that any longer. And so he uh, making the decision to go to Green Bay. There's also reports that Chip Kelly, who has done a lot of both, 
head coach of Oregon, then went on to the NFL, coached the Eagles, coached 49ers for a little while, now back to UCLA where he's been for the last half decade or so, that he is in talks with the Washington Commanders to take their offensive coordinating position. Again, a uh, guy that had been a head football coach at a couple big schools, currently is at a pretty big school, and with a head coach at a couple of NFL jobs, is now eyeing a return to the NFL as a coordinator, not as a head coach. Not saying he should be a head coach, didn't do a good job, but nevertheless, leaving his post at UCLA, potentially, this is just being reported, it's not official, it's just he got an interview. He may not get the job. We'll see. But certainly if he's interviewing, he's interested. So uh, this is just coming at a time where all the NIL conversations continue to grow. This comes at a time where Tennessee and the NCAA are at odds. Uh, and everyone just dazed and confused about the landscape of college sports and a lot of people offering pretty strong opinions on it. Uh, so it has just become an increasingly busy time. At bare minimum, whether you like stuff or not, you cannot deny it is busier in, in college athletics now. And some of these guys are kind of saying, I don't want to I don't want to do that stuff. It takes a certain amount of energy and time dedicated to do the recruiting necessary. It's not even necessarily about the philosophy of what should or should not happen. It's about I don't want to talk to 30 kids about 30 different financial figures and then have to uh, recruit my own guys after one year or two. And so uh, this has just been an interesting development these this, these last couple of days with some of these guys jumping in the NFL. Now, Jeremy Garrett's situation in Auburn is, is different. That is as lateral as you get in terms of position-wise. But if you get the same job but at the NFL, I think that it's probably most of the time been viewed as a step up. You're going from defensive line coach of a, of a major college to a defensive line coach of one of 32 NFL opportunities. I certainly understand that. I don't think that's necessarily related. But, again, Brooks, again, we're just we're starting to see this play out a little bit more. We've seen legends of the game retire both in college football and college basketball in the last three or four years. Look, they were aging. We get it. But certainly none of them were running themselves into the Bobby Bowden scope of things where they might maybe coach too long. And uh, we're, we're seeing this happen with a lot of these key figures, and now we're starting to see it with guys that are not necessarily key figures. I mean, Chip Kelly's a pretty big figure. I, I don't think the average person may have knew that Jeff Halfley was the Boston College coach. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Uh, but, but certainly when you start having college head coaches go to the NFL to be less than head coaches, that is not something that you see every day. And I'm not saying it hasn't happened before, but – in this uptick of it, it feels like something, and at least the reasons they are giving, it feels like something we could start to see more of. Yeah, and you know, it, it's <clears throat> it could be something that you 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 look back on, and the, the you know these these few moves, it could be something we look back on in a few years and say that's finally what got the NCAA to start changing stuff and tried to reel, reel some some of the some stuff in. Um, where you, you start losing coaching talent to the NFL and you're left with, you know, fine coaches, a lot, you know, a lot of fine coaches, but nobody, you know, elite coaches either don't stick around as long. They're, they come in, they, they get, you know, one or two championships and then they retire or you're fine coaches and you, you go in and you, you say, I don't want to deal with this. So I'm going to go to the NFL and, and deal with that. And, and so, I think, you know, again, 
you, you look at the span of things. I'm I'm still one of the people that's still in favor of NIL. Uh, I, I think that the the college players should be be able to uh, you know make some money off their name, image, and likeness. But the when when you're in, you're in, you're a coach and you're having to deal with stuff like that, you say, well, I can go to the NFL and I can just coach football with uh, guys. And there's there's a general manager, there's a front office staff that's going to handle all the money stuff. I just get to coach football at a at a high level, professional level. Uh, and you know maybe not make as much money. Probably won't don't make as much money in the NFL as the you do at college because you know some of the some of the head coaches make more uh, in college. Uh, some of the you know mediocre head coaches make more in college than some of the professional NFL head coaches do. But it's you know I, I think that you know you may see guys like you were saying go up there because it's less of a hassle it's less of a hassle to have to continue to recruit your guys even when you get them on campus you're you work on them for you know some starting in eighth grade sometimes you start recruiting kids in eighth grade and you work on them for five years to get them on campus and then all of a sudden you 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 like all right we got you on campus ah <sighs> sigh of relief all right, now we're going to start recruiting you again to keep you to stay here on campus with us, and so that that can wear on you. And it it, it really, you know, you, you talk you 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 talk to or you hear coaches talk about how little time they get to spend with their family because of all the recruiting they've got to do uh, off campus, but also you got to recruit your guys on campus. I, I think that again, I said this could be something that we look back on, and this could be a, a, a thing that is finally what what the NCAA uh, gets the NCAA to. to start working more better to to put some restrictions on uh, NIL or, or put some some restrictions on the transfer portal or something to to help out with the coaches and keep that coaching talent uh, in, in the NFL or in the in the college football game well and and two it will kind of depend on what happens with these Tennessee type lawsuits because typically the NCAA uh, has not had a good run lately. Uh, in the court system, and that's kind of why the NIL stuff started to begin with. And the more and more power that the courts tell the NCAA they don't have, the more and more um, protests, the more and more entities and schools will fight it. And this also comes on the heel. I'm going to tie everything together with the news of the day. The SEC and the Big Ten are getting together, and I don't really have an official buzzword like alliance for you. That's not what they used. But the SEC and Big Ten minds, their their ADs and chancellors and, of course, commissioners are going to get together and try to evaluate the path forward for college athletics and football and that sort of thing and just try to share ideas. I think it was mentioned in the press release that they were not Necessarily, they understood they were not necessarily subscribed to each other's opinions, but they wanted a working, open dialogue. Basically, as the leaders, the leading conferences in college athletics right now. And look, what that actually will mean, or what fruit it might bring, I don't know. I mean, it might be incredibly unproductive, uh, and it might not lead to any sort of alliance or any sort of thing. Or it could build the founding the the. the prevailing thoughts and the foundation for how a, a, a sport without the NCAA would look like, such as football in the coming years. And so that at least needs to be monitored in the coming months and years because those are the two conferences that are always going to be in a good position from this point forward 
because of their status as the ones that are doing the consuming and not being the consumed in college athletics uh, as far as these other programs and killing off the Pac-12 and that, and that sort of thing. And so I don't think that it will come of anything of great substance, but I do think that this is at a time where someone's got to step up and do something at some point. I know that's incredibly broad, but that's what we've not gotten. Like we've not had any sort of situation where the coaches feel comfortable about it. Heck, I even bring up Kevin Steele to you right now, who was on Feinbaum the other day, caught his comments after the fact, and he was talking about you'd go into kids' homes and the kids' family would say, oh, you know, we trust you to go in uh, and, and develop our son and we trust you to uh, get our kid to a, a championship contender and we trust uh, you to be able to get him into the NFL, potentially even be a first-round pick. But so-and-so is offering this much money. What do you want? What can you offer? And Kevin's like, well, technically, we can't give him an offer. <laughs> That's not for the coaches to be able to be allowed to say. Uh, and so you've got a system where everyone is basically not only enabled, but it's almost become a mandate if you want to get these kids. You have to go directly against what the NCAA wants you to do. That is a failing system inherently. When to in order to succeed, you must do something without any sort of guidelines and without the express support of the body that is supposed to be allowing everyone the opportunity to compete. So, uh, it is a time where look, if you're a coach, to get back to the initial he- thing here, yeah, I would jump to the NFL. Uh, as much as I love college football as a fan, and we are all passionate about it, like it is a better job right now in the sports world to coach in the NFL. It probably always was if you're at least coordinator to coordinator or head coach to head coach or position coach to position coach. But now some people are making, these coaches are making the argument, I'll even take one downgrade. If I'm a head coach, I'll still be a coordinator. If I'm a coordinator, I'll take a position coach just to be in the NFL as opposed to college. So the pendulum is clearly in the process of swinging here. We'll see if something in the immediate future swings it back or if this is an aberration, that sort of thing. But uh, certainly interesting news these last couple of days with, again, Jeff Halfley, the Boston College head coach, taking the coordinator job with Green Bay, with Chip Kelly potentially in the works to take the Washington Commanders coordinating job on the offensive side of things. Uh, and then, of course, a more traditional, less with the times, a more traditional route for Jeremy Garrett of Auburn, who is leaving the Tigers to be a defensive line coach with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We are out of time for hour number two. Stay tuned, though, in hour number three. We'll have a sports call at 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. We'll get into college basketball. The weekend ahead is going to be a good one, not only in the SEC, but also in the sport as a whole. We'll preview Auburn. We'll preview all the college basketball. We'll also get to what to watch for over the weekend in hour number three. Stay tuned. Sports call returns after this timeout.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday afternoon, turning to evening. Again, reminder that Smith Station girls basketball should be just about underway as they take on Central Phoenix City in the area tournament for girls 7A. Auburn hosting that one. The winner of that one advances to the area final and advances to substate. And so, guaranteed two more postseason games. So, that can be heard. Brant Daughtry, the voice of Smith Station, on the call of that one. He'll also have the call of Smith Station basketball, boys basketball tomorrow against Auburn High in the 1 4 matchup with Auburn hosting. And then again, we'll have Borgard boys basketball in their 2 3 matchup against Tallahassee on Monday, right here on Tiger 95.9, which will shorten this show. All right, let's get to today's Sports Call 5 at 5. It is presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selanegroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, we're going to look at the five top 25 matchups in college basketball this weekend. Again, there are five ranked versus ranked matchups in the sport this weekend. It's going to be a good one. We'll start off with number one. This one at 3 o'clock on ESPN Saturday, number four, Houston, and number eight, Kansas. While we all Kind of focus on the football side of things. The addition of Houston in the Big 12 causes some really great basketball. As Houston has been a really good basketball program under Kelvin Sampson the last several years. So a top 10 matchup at Allen Fieldhouse. Houston is favored by a point and a half on the road. Number two. Also in the Big 12, number 12, Iowa State. Number 18, Baylor. 7 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, Iowa State catapulting to the rankings after they beat, uh, beat Kansas last week. So Iowa State up to number 12. Of course, Auburn familiar with Baylor as they still sit 15-5 and five and in the top 20. Number three. Big one in the Southeastern Conference tomorrow night, 7.30 from Rupp Arena. Two teams that lost in the midweek. Usually you don't say that about these programs or then say it's a big game coming up. But it's number five, Tennessee, and number 10, Kentucky, the loser it's going to probably slide several spots after their midweek home loss. We'll get into that more in just a minute. But a top 10 matchup for now in the Southeastern Conference. Number four. I'm going to skip to Sunday. I'll come back to the last one on Saturday. 
Good grief. Number two, Purdue. At number six, Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin's already lost this week as well, but, of course, that is how it goes sometimes in college basketball. And the Big Ten's brightest will go after it 12 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, and Purdue, again, trying to still stay in touch there for the number one ranking. That would be a huge win to get on the road at number six, Wisconsin. And last but certainly not least, the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Five top 25 matchups in college basketball this weekend. Number five. The best rivalry in college basketball, North Carolina-Duke. 5.30 on ESPN. Carolina, number three in the country. Duke, number seven. Uh, Duke has been much warmer as of late. Carolina was the last remaining undefeated team in major college basketball until they very logically lost at under 500 Georgia Tech earlier this week. Again, college basketball, you just never really know. Carolina is favored by four and a half at home over Duke. Uh, and what will be, of course, the first two, I'm sure, very, very fun college basketball games. That is the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Again, five top 20 matchups in the sport this weekend. We'll start SEC Brooks, and then we'll go out and, and look at a couple of those big ones across the sport in the top 25. Let's start with that Tennessee and Kentucky game, though. Uh, we understand how good these teams are expected to be. I still think these teams overall are good. However, Kentucky already with three conference losses. If they get a fourth I'm, this early, I'm probably eliminating them from winning the regular season championship. And then on Tennessee's side of thing, they are 5-2. and two. If they lose, then they get in this hodgepodge of teams that are with two and three losses and, and all this. Uh, they, they took very important home losses. Everyone understands losing a few on the road. And, and look, they lost to quality basketball teams. It's not like they lost to, to Missouri or Vanderbilt. But, I mean, Kentucky losing to Florida at home, Florida's going to get to put that on a resume and say, put us in the NCAA tournament. That's the point. Like, they needed that on a resume to say, hey, put us in the NCAA tournament. And then from Tennessee's side of things, look, South Carolina's been a good storyline. They also beat Kentucky. However, you're on your home floor and you only score 59 points. That's a rare one for Tennessee and how – they played under Dalton Connect. So, uh, do you do you like one of these teams more than the other between Kentucky or Tennessee? Do you, are you worried about them? Where are you at with these two? Um, <clears throat> I don't think I'm necessarily worried about them. I, I think that uh, this Kansas team or Kansas, the Kentucky team, uh, is you know you're you're dropping you've dropped a few conference games. Uh, I'm not fully all, I'm not full on worried, uh, but you know it it feels like you you need a little bit more. More gel there. You need a little bit more uh, off the court time with the teammates and kind of kind of gel yourselves together as a team a little bit better. Tennessee, I, I really like. I think uh, this Tennessee team overall is one of the one uh, a really really good defense, great good uh, fine offense. Uh, they're only averaging what seventy eight points per game uh, or seventy eight and a half points per game right now, and so it's not one of the higher scoring offenses in the conference. But they don't need it. They they've got a really really good defense. Uh, they're only averaging about 65 and a half or 60, almost 66 uh, points given up per game. Uh, this, I, I think Tennessee has a slight edge in this one. I know you're on the road at Rupp, but uh, I, I think that the Tennessee loss this week at home is was could it was probably the 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 loss that was a wake up call. Uh, I, I know you you know you you've already dropped another conference game, but this this was a you know as you mentioned home losses don't uh, don't happen as often as road losses do in college basketball. 
the fact that you you did you lost at home in front of your your fans. I know you you got to go on the road now, but this this could have been a this a wake up call where you you know you you were look, maybe of looking ahead to the Kentucky game, didn't take South Carolina too seriously. They're 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 a decent basketball program this year. South Carolina is, but you know your Tennessee. You're you're looking at that at the end of the week. You're seeing a, a top ten Kentucky team. Uh, on your schedule, maybe maybe you got caught looking ahead a little bit, and you you tripped up with South Carolina. I think Tennessee is is fine. Uh, Dalton Connect has been uh, phenomenal. I, I think he's one of the three SEC uh, players in the in the uh, in the top twenty list for the Naismith Award at the or no the Wooden Award at the end of the year, um, along with honestly uh, or ironically Austin Reeves, who is on Kentucky's team. So you got two finalists for the Wooden Award. Uh, battling it out this weekend should be really, really fun to see those two players go up against each other. Uh, and, and you know, I, I just think top to bottom that Tennessee team is has got some veteran veteran guys who've been there for a while. They uh, I really like the way, like I said, they play defense. I'll, uh, I like the, the way that they're really you know get out there and suffocate you. Um, and I, I think Tennessee's got a slight edge in this one on Saturday, even on, even though they're on the road. Yeah, Antonio Reeves for Kentucky That's has been Antonio Reeves. Uh, yeah, I was gonna like. I was just gonna say who's Austin Reeves? Uh, Lakers That's, guard from yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yep, yep. That it happens. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but Antonio Reeves has certainly been really good for Kentucky. My eye on this game is still with Dalton Connect because with Kentucky it still feels and they score gobs of points. They had a couple game stretch at the end of January there where they didn't score as much. Uh, but they scored gobs of points before I get to the individual point. This is their SEC point totals. 87 at Florida. You'll take that every day. 90 against Missouri. 92 in overtime in a loss. Good defense, guys. 90 at home against Mississippi State. Mississippi State's a physical team. Auburn learned that, unfortunately, the other week. 105 on Georgia in regulation. Uh, then the struggles. 62 at South Carolina. 63 at Arkansas. Before 91 at home in a loss in overtime to Florida. So, anyway, they've got a bunch of 90s on the board, plus an SEC play. And beyond Reeves, Dillingham's in double figures. They got uh, Trey Mitchell in double figures. I really like Reed Shepard. He's actually a far more efficient player than most of these guys. Would you like to guess Reed Shepard's three-point percentage, Brooks? Uh, I, I wouldn't. 54.2%. That is a lot of threes falling. <laughs> yes. Uh, the kid could certainly stand and shoot more of them. Uh, so, I mean, he's wild. They've got other scoring options. Kentucky's issue is defense, and it's going to be issue. If they don't advance somewhere, it's going to be because they, they give up 90 or 95 points to somebody. Tennessee, though, we all know how Tennessee basketball is operating Rick Barnes. They are a slower-paced team. They are physical. They – Again, I, I have to compare them. This is the first team that really seemed to do a good job of this in the last nine or ten years was Virginia. Virginia would beat you 68-62. to 62. They'd suffocate you 60-55. to 55, And they'd just be slightly more efficient. They wouldn't be prolific. They'd just be efficient. And that's what Tennessee tried to do the last several years under Rick Barnes. However, the problem with that style is you run into someone that just decides they're going to make it anyway – and then you usually don't have the offensive firepower to, to keep up. And we're seeing that. That's why Virginia's not been as good the last couple of years. And that's why for Tennessee, they have had usually earlier than they should exits from March Madness. Well, this offseason they went out and they got Dalton Connect in the transfer portal. And Dalton Connect 
has just been outstanding. And he is averaging just over 20 points a game. That's 25th in the country. Again, there's a lot of players to choose from when you got 350-plus teams. So he's 25th in the country. Uh, and he, as of now for me, would be my vote for SEC Player of the Year. Because while I just told you that Kentucky had three or four other guys in double figures, Tennessee only has one, and it's at 11.5 points a game for Jonas Adu. Not even Vescovian. Look, Vescovian's the guy who's either solid players. Uh, but the offense does not run for, through them. It runs through Dalton Connect. And so his value, his importance on Tennessee is so important. Um, I'm going to be curious to see what kind of game this is. Again, when you play a team like Kentucky, you think it will be very high scoring, but they have had a couple of smaller scoring efforts. Tennessee still at other positions does guard pretty well. They're not completely devoid on the defensive end. But again, Tennessee's been way more into offense this year than they ever have because of Connect. You look at SEC play, they open with 90 against Ole Miss. That's just not something Tennessee does a lot. 72 in the loss to Mississippi State on the road, but against 72, it's not bad on the road. 85 on the road at Georgia, 85 against Florida, 91 against Alabama, blew them out in Thompson Bowling, 75 at Vandy, and then the shocking one at home this week, 59. So both these teams usually play pretty high, in scoring, except the last couple weeks, they both had shockingly lower scoring games. So I'll be interested to see if the recency bias to it kicks in or if this could be an up and down affair. So I think it's a huge one. I think Kentucky needs it a little bit more because they're at home. Uh, That's just kind of the simple fact of it. They've been a little bit more in a slump late, and these two teams do play again. This is the last regular season game in conference play is Kentucky going to Thompson Bowling Arena. So this is a huge one. Like I said, if Kentucky loses this one, their home floor, I'm probably throwing them out of the SEC title race already. I know four losses might ultimately win the SEC title, but being five and four does not tell me that you're you've got it to win nine in a row. I think just no one is pretty much going to win nine in a row in this league. So that one's a huge one in SEC play. Let's look at a couple other SEC games before. Uh, we hit our next break. Let's just go ahead and give you the whole SEC slate. So Arkansas goes to LSU in the I don't care and I don't need to know game of the weekend. That's 11 a.m. ESPN 2. You can get in for 2 bucks. 2 $2. Wow. Dose. You got a shot at finding that on the street, folks. You might be able to get in Arkansas LSU for what you can find on the street. Uh, noon is Georgia, South Carolina. Georgia – had Alabama dead to rights in the first half. Alabama scored a million points in the second half in Athens in the midweek. Came back and won. Alabama still only one loss team in the league. So Georgia missed a big opportunity there, but they could get another one. South Carolina's going to be ranked if they win this game pretty easily. I was going to say, this is a game that just just a year ago you would have said, hey, South Carolina, Georgia's playing basketball. You're like, oh, yeah, what else yeah, is I'm on? So, yeah, I so want to avoid it, but not this year. Uh, so that one is coming up at noon. Actually, I'm sorry, Arkansas and LSU. Do you see what I've seen now, Brooks? Yep. Arkansas and LSU, you you get uh, you don't get that trophy for the I don't know I don't care game of the weekend. We gotta we gotta absolutely hand that to the team in Nashville. Five and fifteen, Vandy takes on eight and thirteen, Missouri. You can also get in for two bucks. I'd imagine so. Um, two. Someone's got to win. Let, I'm gonna say, let me make the case for it. Arkansas and LSU sit over here, two mediocre basketball teams. All right. 
this these two teams are fighting each other for an SEC win. One of these teams, if they don't win, maybe goes. <laughs> you start to wonder it. about it. Yeah. <laughs> this this one's actually more interesting because you just you're looking at two mediocre basketball teams with Arkansas and LSU. And then you've got two bad basketball teams trying not to get shut out in conference play. That's fair. The loser is going to lament one of the very few opportunities for a win. And you got to play it in the weird Memorial Gymnasium in Nashville. Yeah, weird things bound to happen. 3 o'clock on ESPN2, 15 and 6 Florida, fresh off the big win at Rupp, goes to College Station. Will there be a letdown there? A&M needs a win. A&M supposed to be well, kind of with Arkansas, top three, top four, top five team in the SEC in the preseason. They're one of the teams that's going to be squarely on the bubble if they don't turn things around. That's uh, 3 o'clock ESPN2. Told you about Tennessee-Kentucky. 7.30, the last game of the day, along with that Tennessee-Kentucky game, is in Tuscaloosa. Number 24, Alabama, taking on Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State had a tough one in Oxford. They were falling just short of Ole Miss in the midweek rivalry game there. Uh, And then for Alabama, they continued to be, again, like I said, the only team with one loss in the SEC, they were seven and one. That loss coming to Tennessee, and of course that Auburn Ole Miss game, which we'll get to again in just a little bit. And Alabama's already beat Mississippi State once on the road this year. Yeah, so. remember Mississippi State missed some free throws in that one. That was a, a, a very competitive game. But uh, there's again, there's a it's a good range of teams in this league. There are there's a clear group of teams that will have a shot to do intriguing things in March. There's a, a level of team that you expect could probably get to March and get to the tournament but probably won't do a whole lot. And then there's a couple teams for you on the bubble, a couple that are disappointing that are not on the bubble, and then a couple that are just god-awful that everyone would like to play twice in, in Vandy and Missouri. So you, you've got a good range of teams in the league. I think that top to bottom, the Big 12 is probably the best conference in college basketball. I mean, that conference is just absolutely silly. Uh, you've got – in it, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight ranked teams in the Big 12. Uh, and then you also got a 14 and seven Kansas State team that will probably make the tournament. So you probably got about nine teams making the tournament out of the Big 12. So again, that, that Houston adding that, it's really good for the Big 12. But, you know, I think that the SEC is still very interesting. However, if this keeps going, I mean, at some point, someone's going to have to beat Alabama or they're going to really have separated themselves. Uh, and then look, South Carolina and Auburn tied at six and two. That's why this Tennessee game's big because they're the other team with two losses. If they lose and they go down three, there's still a lot to be decided uh, there in the top top portion of the SEC. I think it's gonna be a good weekend of SEC basketball for sure. We're gonna go ahead and take our next time out in the show. When we come back, we'll look at those other top 25 matchups in college basketball, but also we're gonna do a specific preview of the Auburn and Ole Miss game, as well as get to what to watch for over the weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger crew wants to hear from you give us a phone call at 334-887-3401 
I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here as we start to get into the latter part of our show today with about a half hour to go. On the other side of that break, we were talking some SEC basketball and some top 25 basketball. If you missed that, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. All right, let's talk some Auburn and Ole Miss specifically. Tigers have another quad one opportunity to go to 18 and three Ole Miss and again get the ever elusive quad one victory that's becoming a growing growing topic not only here but even nationally I'm starting to see it a little bit because it is abnormal for a highly ranked team 20 games into the season to not have one yet and Auburn's not did not have a plethora of opportunities in the non-conference due to teams like Indiana faltering, Notre Dame, etc. But nevertheless, the record is the record and no quad one wins yet. And they get this opportunity against a team that they beat pretty easily uh, in Neville Arena, pretty thoroughly, was able to beat Ole Miss 82-59 the first time around. And I'm hoping, Brooks, that just at some point uh, this year, maybe it feels like Auburn can just take advantage of a matchup or be a bad matchup for somebody. And maybe if I went deeper into it and thought about it more, maybe I could come up with a couple over the last few years. Heck, maybe Kentucky. I mean, Auburn seems to, to be able to beat Kentucky more times than the average program. But when you think about it, we're used to hearing things like, hey, Buzz Williams, he really knows what he's doing against Bruce Pearl. He, he really makes it tough on Auburn. Uh you mentioned the poor road record for Auburn earlier in the show at Ole Miss, which, again, it's fair. From I mean, that happens for a lot of these programs. But it's like for a while, oh, you know, Kermit Davis, he really he really gives Bruce Pearl some fits with the way he runs defense and, and that sort of thing. And I'm kind of hoping – and, look, it's one game. I'm not – this is not a hunch or an opinion. It's just a hope that maybe Auburn will do that in the reverse to someone like Chris Beard, who is a really good coach. Like Again, Bruce Pearl's an excellent coach, but there are a couple coaches out there that give him fits, and that can happen from time to time. And I'm hoping that he can develop that with somebody in the SEC, and Chris Beard would be a nice one to be able to do that against because, again, if you're already seeing Ole Miss be uh, this solid in year one at 18-3, and three, probably NCAA tournament bound, maybe get back in the top 25 if they beat Auburn on Saturday – Maybe should be hovering around the top 25 either way. Again, it this this Ole Miss program is going to be around for a little while in terms of competing and, and being above their history says they should be in the league. So uh, it would be nice to be able to go on the road and just say, you know what, actually road didn't matter, matchup mattered more. But nevertheless, here we are, and the Tigers have a very tough month of February, and this is just the first of a long line of them. And so it would be interesting to see – uh, what adjustments were made from Ole Miss's side of things. If Auburn can guard Flanagan as well as they did the first time, again, no one scored more than Alan Flanagan against Auburn, but he only scored 10 points on 3-10. Auburn did a fantastic job defensively against them the first time around. 
Yeah, I mean, it, this is, it, it's, you mentioned, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's a tough February. It, it is, it is really, really tough. You know, you, you look back at the, at January, Auburn took advantage of what turned out to be an easier, uh, easier slate. You went on the road, you, you took down Arkansas on the road, which at the time we were like, oh, that's, that's big. Uh, but then, you know, it, it's it's still a big win because you went on the road and you won a road basketball game in a place that not Auburn hasn't won a lot. And I know that's a that's a, a repetitive statement that we make every single time Auburn goes on the road. But it, it is it, it's a place that Auburn hasn't won a lot. And you went and you you blew them out. You got a Texas A&M team at home. You beat them. Uh, you sustained you, you held off a comeback from LSU and got a win at home. You beat a Vanderbilt team on the road at a, at a place that's tough to win. Uh, and then you, you know, you, you beat Ole Miss the first time before you hit your first bump in the road of of the of the uh, basketball of the conference slate with that out trip to Tuscaloosa. Uh, so you took advantage of your your easier slate. You look at February, as you mentioned, you start things off in the month with a trip to Ole Miss, then you get Bama again, which even though you do get them at home, it's still a top 25 Bama team. It's still the same Alabama team you played up there at Tuscaloosa. You still got to contend with guys like Grant Nelson and Mark Sears that are, that are going to score the basketball. You got to go to a place that you don't uh, you're, you don't uh, fare well in the swamp. You get a, a rejuvenated South Carolina team. You get a Kentucky team that's always good. You go to a rejuvenated Georgia team, and then you finish off the month going to Rocky Top for like the 17th consecutive year. <laughs> Um, so it's tough. It this is this is tough, and you know you you said I think you said it earlier. Uh, this could possibly line up as being one of the easier games of the month, if not the easiest game of the month. And it's on the road at Ole Miss, uh, and again a place that Auburn doesn't play well. Um, I think this this Tigers team's got to come out and they've got to get a win. You know I think that you you look at this if you go into this game and you, you let's say Auburn loses that's a loss to both Mississippi schools with a win over a very bad Vanderbilt team sandwiched in between that's when you start to have the question and you know Auburn fans uh, and Auburn does not want to have this question asked is this team actually what they we thought they were coming into it Auburn was really, really good in the, in the non-conference play. You had the the trip up, or you, you lost that first game to Baylor, a, a very good Baylor program, still in the top 20. Uh, and then you went on the road and, and lost a game to that App State team who, you know, at the time it was like, oh, they lost on the road to App State. But we've mentioned it before, a once-in-a-generation environment up at App State for that game, a once-in-a-generation game for them. And they are poised right now to be a, a team that contends for the Sun Belt title at the end of the year. They are, they are a very good basketball team in the, in the, in the uh, uh, mid-major ranks. So you came into conference play. You played very well on neutral site games. You, you, everybody. You know, we were all sitting. You know, hey, this is this could be a, uh, an Auburn team that it competes and goes on a long run in March. Well, you, now you've hit those roadblocks. You hit those bumps, and you know you've had a few guys go a little cold uh, in in the lineup, and you, you're trying to figure some stuff out. This is a game that helps get that uh, fix things because you're going on the road again. This kind of feels like that Arkansas game. You're going on the road to a place that you don't win a lot. Uh, you, you've won more often there than you have Arkansas, though, but it, it's still a place you go on the road. You don't win a lot. It's going to be a very tough matchup. Ole Miss is going to want to give it back to you uh, after you, you beat them uh, last month here here in Auburn. Um, Alan Flanagan is going to want to, you know, say, all right, my former team got me back at, you know, my old place. 
yeah, cool. Well, now you're coming to my new place, and then you're coming to my new home. I'm going to show you how we play basketball up here. This is going to be a game that Auburn's got to come out and, and needs to have does not need to have a, a false start in. You, you don't need to to you know get slow out of the gates because uh, it, it, this Ole Miss team is undefeated at home. They're undefeated for a really good reason. They beat some uh, uh, fairly decent teams at home this year. Um, if you're Auburn, this could be a game that helps you win some of these games in, in February. You look back at this game, it could be one of those games that helps you uh, motivationally win some of these tougher games in, in the month of February. Uh, and, and like you said, set the tone early. This is Chris Beard's first year in the league. He's a very talented coach. We saw what he was able to do at Texas Tech. We saw what he was able to do at Texas. If Bruce Pearl and this team can get out front and sweep him the first year and kind of, like you were saying, Ryan, establish the, hey, Bruce Pearl's the pro- a problem guy for Chris Beard rather than, uh, you know, so-and-so's a problem for Bruce Pearl teams, that's really, really big going into it. And then, you then you know, even for future teams, uh, you, you look at it and you're going into it and you say, oh, Ole Miss, they're, they're a team that, that we can always count on uh, you know, having a really good game against. So th- it's a very important game. Um, I think Janai Broom's got to have a big game tomorrow. I think that we need uh, – and, you know, I, I don't think that you need to force him – force feed him the ball, but I think you really need Aiden Holloway to break out of this slump. I think you need him to hit a couple threes in some crucial situations. Don't force feed him. Don't tell him, hey, you got – just keep shooting, just keep shooting. But you need – we Auburn needs – Aiden Holloway to to kind of break out of this slump, especially going into a week where you're going with uh, you're breaking into a week where you've got the Ole Miss game, you got Alabama at home, and you got to go on the road to the swamp next weekend. Yeah, I mean, couldn't agree more. The point guard play, in particular, Holloway, and the shooting, like the passing, has still been there. Again, it's it's not like you don't get anything from a ball movement standpoint or or assist turnover standpoint, but. Uh, Again, down at thirty-one, thirty-two percent from the field, it's it's just not it's just not going to sustain you. And uh, they're going to need at least one of those two point guards, Donaldson or Hallway, to score uh, because we know what they can do passing wise. But what I talked about earlier in the year when they were playing a little bit better, and when obviously there was seemingly no issues with the team, was that because of the depth. You put two players at each position. You liked your point production from both those players. Like when you combined those two tallies, even if one guy that you expect to be better than the other did not have a good game, the other guy, the other game, yeah, the other guy usually would pick you up. And that is starting to not happen at least some of these positions, but particularly at point guard. I go back to uh, even the Vandy game, which. They scored 81. There should be nothing wrong with 81-54 on the surface. But Trey did not have his usual efficient game. He's 1-5. of five. He had two points. And then Aiden Hallway was over, and he had one point. So you had three points out of your point guard position. What that tells me is every other position checked the box. You go through some someone, either Williams at power forward, Broom at center, Denver Jones at shooting guards, uh, CBM at, at small forward. Every other position combined for the production they needed to combine for. But the point guards did not, and that was an issue in that one. I look at earlier uh, last week in the Alabama game. You know, it, Trey Donaldson in that one was pretty good. He had eight points, uh, and Aiden in that one only had two. He was 0 for 7. So, overall, you're 3 of 12 at that position in 10 points in a game that you scored 75. So, it's kind of like, hey, I'm looking at the point guard there. 
uh, to to have done more. If, if you if you make that a six of twelve, or you make it even a five of thirteen, you probably win. You at least, I mean, I mean, yeah, you probably win because that four point can be deceiving. That a free throw to try and tie it with twelve or thirteen seconds left. So it is on that position. I feel like at this moment now, of course. One game is bound to change everything. We could look at it after this weekend and say, wow, Denver Jones and Katie Johnson combined for seven points. It's not enough. Uh, and that's very possible. But we did see Denver Jones just have the best game of his Auburn career. That is, feels relevant. Uh, Katie is still the same Katie that you either, uh, you either love or don't as much love the last couple of years where it's going to be game-to-game basis for, us, for him early in conference play. He was on a nice stretch. Now he's had a couple of disappointing ones in a row. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But, look, you between Jalen Williams and Jani Broom, you feel pretty good that one of those guys is going to have a good night. Uh, you, you feel like Chad Baker-Mazzara can factor in. Uh, even Chaney Johnson can have a, a nice game here and there. He had one of his better games a couple games ago. So I, I think that, again, all those things are still true, but I just think the point guard play has just started to decline from a from a scoring and efficiency standpoint so much that it's putting a strain on everything else and it's affecting their overall point totals a little bit at the end of the night. But, look, I'm going to be looking for uh, this team to rebound because they won some rebounding battles this year, but, of course, that's going to happen when you outscore teams by 25 points. But you know what's weird? I don't know if anyone even uh, – I, I certainly didn't notice at the time, but when I was going back and preparing for it for this next Ole Miss game, I look back at it. Do you know that somehow Auburn, when they beat Ole Miss by 23, got out-rebounded? Do you know how hard that is to do when you beat someone that thoroughly that you still got out-rebounded? It's only by one. But when you win by 23 points, you have made more shots. There have been more available rebounds when the other team shoots the ball. But Ole Miss out-rebounded Auburn offensively 16-10 in that one. It made up for some of the misses. And it was thirty to twenty nine rebounding wise in favor of Ole Miss. Like that, that's something when you saw Mississippi State annihilate them on the last. That was something that I think would be one of the most legit concerning things outside of the three point shooting on the road. That this team probably should not be getting rebounded by fifteen rebounds, <laughs> and that that's not going to end well for them. And so that was pretty even rebounding wise in a blowout game. I, if I'm Auburn, I'm a little nervous that Ole Miss out rebounds them. Uh, tomorrow, and that that could end up being a pretty big scoreline. Ole Miss has some lengthy guards and wings. Uh, they may not all be six eight, six nine, six ten behemoths, but they do have a couple seven four, or they have a seven four dude, Jamarian Sharp down low. And again, Flanagan we know has uh, got a big wingspan. Jamin Breakfield, uh, Jamin Breakfield, excuse me, has a, a lengthy wingspan. Well, uh, Morell, their one of their guards is six four. I mean, like. I can see how it'd be a trouble rebounding. So that's something that I'm going to definitely be watching out for uh, for the Tigers as they look to get their first quad one win of the year tomorrow night in Oxford. Five o'clock tip time for that one. One final timeout here in this Friday edition of the show. When we come back, what to watch for over the weekend and a Sports Call Nightly TV guide. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. 
You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final few minutes of Sports Call on this Friday and for the week. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here. Just four or five minutes left here in this edition of the show. Again, reminder that next Monday, still working on the exact time, but next Monday, believe we will be having a shortened show for Beauregard High School boys basketball as they'll be in the area tournament against Tallahassee on Monday. So we'll make sure we let you know. Uh, as soon as we get on air on Monday, how short that show will be. As mentioned, this is a Friday, and for the length of football season, we didn't get to this much because it's kind of obvious what to watch for over the weekend. There was a lot of college football or a lot of pro football, but now we're starting to get uh, at the end of NFL season, which means we're in the heart of basketball, and we just got to be a little bit more thorough with what we're looking out for over the weekend. So let's go ahead and get to what to watch for over the weekend. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. As we've been talking about for the majority of this hour, it is a great weekend in college basketball. Five top 25 matchups between Saturday and Sunday, including uh, a great rivalry like North Carolina Duke, a big one in the SEC between Kentucky and Tennessee. And then a top 10 matchup in the Big Ten, Purdue and Wisconsin. So big-time college basketball. There's Houston and Kansas. That's a top 10 matchup. I mean, th- this is going to be one of the best basketball weekends of the year, I would think. Yeah, I was watching uh, I was watching something the other night on ESPN, probably Sports Center, and they ran a promo for their the three games that they're going to have on there. I'm like, this is – and it, I, it started off with you know, the, the Duke, North Carolina. I was like, all right, yeah, I knew that was this weekend. And then it ran the other two that they're showing. I'm like, this is a huge weekend. This yeah. is going to be – you just leave your TV – if you didn't have an interest in, in Auburn or, or Alabama or anybody, you just leave your TV on ESPN and just let it go all day to the fact where it says, hey, are you still watching? Yep, I'm still watching. Yeah. I Get mean, me in through. It's, it's going to be a great weekend in college basketball for sure. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. The other one we wanted to get in here is that the NASCAR uh, NASCAR season returns uh, for the 2024 year with the exhibition race in the L.A. Coliseum this weekend. Of course, we had the pleasure of having several NASCAR drivers in uh, throughout this past summer and, and really all three of the, the major series there. Uh, with NASCAR. I'm really excited for that to come back. Daytona 500 coming up in a couple weekends, but also think they've just done a great job with an event at the LA Coliseum, something that other sports fans can relate to. Uh, you know, NASCAR tracks, there's not a whole lot going on there usually other than the racing. Yes, there can be concerts and that sort of thing, but for the sports fans, like you're racing or not. But uh, they had, uh, of course, the football game at Bristol uh, many years back. And now the second year of having the exhibition race in the L.A. Coliseum, I just think that's a really cool event to open the NASCAR season. Yeah, I've been uh, perusing Twitter as I do most of the show uh, when I'm on, uh, and uh, NASCAR reporters have been tweeting all afternoon of all the uh, the haulers rolling into to the Coliseum and to the uh, to, to the garage areas there, and so it's uh, 
it's back. It's it's really it, it's a fun time. You get the clash, you get an off weekend, and then you get back to actual racing in a couple weeks at Daytona, which is super super fun. Yeah, I just nervous about the cars on short tracks, man. That's a whole nother can of weeds for another day. But they got to get that thing to race a little bit better in traffic and race a little bit better on those short tracks. So. Uh, hoping for a lot of fun out there in L.A. for the exhibition race in NASCAR. Final minute or two of the show today. Time for Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide is, as always, presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Well, I'll tell you what we've got, Ryan. We've got a, uh, a plethora of stuff on tonight, but everything kind of ends a little early, so early bedtime tonight. No <laughs> no movies for you, though. Rest up for the basketball tomorrow. That's right. Uh, we do have some basketball on tonight, though. College basketball in action, 6 o'clock on ESPN Dose. St. Bonaventure visits a top 25 Dayton squad. Dayton, the Flyers are pretty, uh, pretty good this year. Uh, out of the, a, uh, the A-10 conference. Uh, so uh, check that out. 6 o'clock FS1, some Big Ten action as Ohio State visits Iowa. Also 6 o'clock ESPNU, some uh, Ivy League basketball. Princeton visits Yale. Then later on this evening, the nightcap is 8 o'clock on ESPNU. Toledo visits Akron. And 8 o'clock on FS1, Butler visits a top 25 Creighton team. So a really fun uh, couple of ranked teams in action tonight. Uh, across college basketball. You got some high school basketball tonight at 8 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, also, 6 o'clock on ESPN. The NHL All-Star Weekend gets underway with the Skills Challenge tonight. NFL had their Skills Challenge last night. NHL's is tonight. And then, of course, if you're looking for some Auburn sports fix for you tonight, 7 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. The number 15 Auburn gymnastics team takes on a quad meet at home. The first ever regular season quad meet in uh, Auburn history. They'll host Temple, Fisk, and Talladega College tonight uh, in a, a pretty fun thing. So you're going to have four events going all at the same time. So you got to got to pay attention. Hopefully they got the quad. I know the school going. will be locked in on. That, but I said the the uh, the uh, yes, absolutely. But you got to make sure you have. Hopefully True. they they have the quad box going for it because you're not going to want to miss a second of that action. And that is an Atlanta TV guy brought to our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and thank you for being a part of the show for another week. I hope you have a great weekend, sir, and we'll see you again next week. See you then. And that will do it for the show today. Again, we, uh, some sort of shortened show on Monday because of Borgard High School basketball. We'll obviously let you know as soon as we get on air on Monday. But we certainly appreciate uh, you for tuning in through another week of Sports Call. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For T.P. Hammock, who joined us earlier, and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LeMoy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.